0: today is friday november 4th 2022 this is quick start from cbn news i'm dan andros we are in the final countdown to the midterms and we go to our election panel today that top story and more on today's podcast we're bringing news from a christian perspective joining me as always to get through it billy hallowell from cbn's faith wire how's it going billy happy friday i'm I'm like, I'm looking forward
1: to next week. Next week's going to be
0: crazy. Oh my goodness. It's going to be fun. We've got live coverage happening. Um, The CBN News team doing a a main feed. We're also doing a digital team feed with Billy, myself, Trey, who's not here today. He'll be back uh, next week. But um, a lot going on on the network. You can check out those feeds on the CBN News channel and the CBN News YouTube channel. Um, Our social media pages, Facebook as well. Uh, It's going to be great coverage. We're going to be there all night, starting at 8 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'd love to have you uh, with us. And on that note, on the main thing today, John Stolness has a team of CBN reporters to discuss all things election on the main thing today. But first, we're going to try to get through that news in 90 seconds. David DePape, the man accused of violently attacking Paul Pelosi last week, Apparently in the United States, illegally might face deportation. This is according to DHS. ICE lodged an immigration detainer on Canadian national David DePape with San Francisco County Jail on November 1st, following his October 28th arrest. Benjamin Netanyahu has once again become Prime Minister of Israel in the country's fifth election in less than four years. Yair Lapid conceded defeat on Thursday after nearly all the votes were counted. And while most American adults believe in absolute truth, a reality that's fixed, and a concept supported by the Bible, a new poll sponsored by Summit Ministries shows that a majority of adults under 30 don't. Very interesting survey there. Also, a new Wall Street Journal poll finds just 19% of Americans say the economy's on the right track. This is a sign that the economy is going to play a major role at the voting booth on Tuesday. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. So, Billy, obviously, things heating up here before the election. Uh, There's a lot going on there in those news stories that we rounded up. Uh, This poll on the economy is very interesting to me. We've kind of hit it on this podcast, but... You see the messaging coming from the parties, and the Democrats in particular have focused on things like January 6th, violence, abortion. But obviously, when you look at the numbers, the economy is primary on people's minds.
1: Well, absolutely. And this is not a partisan statement, but I think that 19%, I'd love to talk with those people because to me... That just has to be party blindness, right? I yeah. mean, like you're just you're so oh, everything is so great. I mean, you don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat to look at what's going on and to say the economy is not on a good track. It's actually scary for families. They're unable to afford their electricity. There was a report um, out that there are people who are buying less food so they can keep the lights on. I mean, these are these are very scary things. So, um, you know, we've got hope and we don't need to be terrified, but I think answering a poll honestly, I don't I don't know how you'd end up with nineteen. Yeah, I mean
0: it does. I mean, unless things are going really well for you and you just have your head in the sand and you're la-la-la and, and not paying attention at all and it's not bothering you, so therefore you don't care. Maybe that's the only thing I can think of because every one yeah. of us go to the gas station. Every one of us go to the grocery store. And we've talked about it on this podcast many times. You, you just can't do that without noticing the massive increase that's happening right now. And, um, and then you see yeah. the spin, like we mentioned earlier this week with the Biden administration, that tweet, trying to take credit for the social security checks and then quickly getting called out for that being raised on the basis of inflation and nothing else, which is actually a big negative. So then, so, so you have those two things happening, right? The economy's struggling and then you see the administration either ignoring it or trying to spin it. And it just doesn't seem like that is going to play well uh, with voters. I mean, it, it typically doesn't. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's a car wreck and you're trying to get everybody else to look away from the car wreck at all these other things, right? right. Look over here. No, I want to, I'm going to look at this big thing that's going on right in <laughs> right. front of me. And I think that's what's, that's what's happening right now.
0: Yeah. And also two people, I mean, I, that poll that I mentioned there from Summit Ministries with people talking about not believing in absolute truth anymore, less people uh, do. That's an an interesting one as well, because um, I think that's leading to a lot of confusion today. And I think the people who have not fallen into that way of thinking are looking at it going, that's a problem. And so when one party or another is endorsing all of these things that can be perceived as not truth, IE men can't get pregnant saying that and getting in trouble for it, that sort of thing, you know, when, when the truth is under attack and under assault, which it is now, I mean, I think that's hard to deny, that is another thing that could play at the polls. Oh,
1: absolutely. I think people are retracting from that. We're seeing yeah. people react to that. Remember for years, we would talk about, you know, everyone gets a trophy and there were all right. there was all this joking, you know, safe spaces and people were telling jokes about it and laughing about it. But I think we're actually seeing the fulfillment of that and that people are putting their emotions before the truth and they're claiming that those emotions, 310 million people in this country with 310 million different sets of emotions are all true, and that can't possibly be accurate. It can't all be true, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, that that's having. I think people are retracting from that and realizing that it really is a problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, make sure you're with us on Tuesday night. Uh, Billy, Trey, myself, we will be interviewing lots of people and hanging out all night, watching the results come in, and we're we're going to interact with you too. You can comment. We'll we'll go back and forth with you. Uh, In the comments section, also over on the main channel, uh, John Jessup and the whole CBN news team, they will be holding down the fort, David Brody, as they go through the results. Uh, So looking forward to that night, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, One of the big issues is we mentioned abortion and a former abortion doctor, Billy, is speaking out against the California effort to add abortion to the state's constitution. His story is pretty compelling. So where do we start? Well, I guess, like, let's talk about this guy's background because to
1: me, I love these transformation stories. His name is Dr. Vanson Wong. He was an OBGYN out in California for like 30 years. I mean, so this is a guy who's been a doctor for a long time. But in the early uh, period of his career, he was trying to make extra money and he started getting into abortion. So he'd provide abortion um, on the weekends, late at night, and he would work at different clinics around. And he sort of convinced himself early on, this is a compassionate thing to do. It's the right thing to do, you know, and and there's a lot of, you know, factors in why he chose to do it. But he ended up going on this incredible journey and now is somebody who not only is a believer, but speaks out against abortion.
0: Yeah. So what do you think is the most compelling part of his story cuz i mean he was knee deep in this and really according to you know how you wrote it up over on faithwire.com he was really into this thinking he was doing a net positive for the community yeah, well, I think the most compelling part is that, right? I think understanding that
1: we often come at these things thinking this person is evil and they're terrible yeah. and they're, you know, and and you have to understand that a lot of people on a lot of these different issues, including the gender issue, not to excuse what's going on, but to understand they really believe they're doing the right thing. And when you understand that, I think it gives you a better way to actually reach people like him. Um, so he believed he was doing the right thing, and it was a slow process for him. First, he became a Christian. And then the only time he ever heard his pastor speak on abortion, which I think is so interesting, and it just shows God was trying to reach him, the pastor preached on abortion um, after he became a believer. And on really it was partial birth abortion, but he started thinking, well, if that's wrong, what I'm doing in the first trimester, because he was a first trimester abortionist, is equally wrong. I'm killing these babies too, and and so he had this epiphany after becoming a believer, and then went on this journey, and now he's speaking out against something called Proposition One in California, which will be on the ballot next week.
0: Very, very interesting, and um, uh, I think it goes to show too, Billy, that um, you let you you try to get people into Christianity first before trying to win them over on all these other issues, because God's word convicted him on this, right? So. You bring them into the fold and then they'll start to see and God will open their eyes on this stuff. So why is he uh, speaking out? You mentioned Proposition 1 there. What's going on with that?
1: Yeah, so Proposition 1 is a measure that people will vote on in California to add abortion to the state constitution. It basically makes abortion a constitutional right within California. And some of the early polling showed that it had widespread support. He is speaking out against it. He is encouraging people to not embrace this, to to vote no on Proposition 1. And the reason for that is that really the, the fear that a lot of people like Dr. Wong have is that once this is implemented, implemented it does away with restrictions on gestational age meaning that the current law actually restricts it once a baby you know could be could live on its own outside of the mother there are restrictions that putting it in the constitution would not keep those same restrictions allegedly Mm. so there's a lot of concern about what this would mean in California
0: yeah and why do you think his position here before we wrap this up why do you think it uh, holds more weight maybe than most.
1: I think when we look at these kinds of stories of somebody doing something like abortion, providing abortion, and now being on the other side of it, there's Abby Johnson, you know, there's other people like this who we've talked to, it does hold a lot of weight. This is a man who did hundreds of abortions and is now speaking out and explaining that this is wrong, it's immoral, and he's had a change of heart on it. And so I think it, it does carry a lot of weight for us to think about those kinds of people who have, have really seen it done it and now they're realizing the
0: error of their ways yeah very interesting stuff there compelling story you can read the whole thing over at faithwire.com thanks for that one billy that leads us into our main thing and elections are almost here where does everything stand how are things shaping up john stolness spoke with cbn's john jessup and caitlin burke as part of our election preview panel on today's main thing
2: So, John, about a month ago, the speculation was that Democrats might be able to fend off this red wave that everybody's been talking about, that the Republicans were going to have, Republicans anticipating that. But the closer that we get to Election Day, the more it's starting to look like that red wave that the GOP was expecting is going to happen and that they're going to have a good night. So especially as we look to the House races, what are we looking at
3: right now? John, like you said, the political headwinds have just changed significantly from where we were a couple of months ago. The generic congressional ballot a few months ago showed that Democrats looked like they potentially could hang on to to control of Congress. Now it's looking very different, and part of that has to do with what we're looking at with. The concerns on voters' minds, which is the economy, which is inflation. And that's driving um, a lot of these competitive house races um, where you have Republican candidates, some who may be familiar, some who may be unfamiliar. They're looking more and more attractive to voters simply because of the mood of where the electorate is. They're upset because prices are higher. They're upset because interest rates are going up. It's, they're upset because they can't afford to purchase a home because the interest rates are so high. So um, there really is this. Uh, this mood of throw the bums out and that is very different than where we were just a couple months ago.
2: Right. And and the way things are looking right now, I know real clear politics has the GOP gaining somewhere between fifteen and forty eight seats. And that would be a wave. That, if they get forty eight, that's a wave.
3: That is a huge spectrum, um, but it's looking more and more like yes, it will be a red wave. Um and and, and to the Republicans um advantage uh, mind you, this is the first election that we're having right after congressional redistricting. So a lot of the districts uh, uh, on the statewide level, Republicans control more state legislatures. So a lot of these districts favor uh, Republicans. But it's not just that. It's historically these election cycles in the midterm election year do not favor the party Uh, in power of Congress and the White House. So uh, you align all these things, and you have what looks like, you know, Ted Cruz said not very long ago at a campaign event that it's going to be a red tsunami, and it looks like more and more it's going to be just that. Yeah. So Caitlin,
2: over in the Senate, uh, it's looking closer than in the House, but it's still looking like it's going to favor Republicans. Real clear politics projecting Republicans to pick up four seats on Tuesday night. Uh, I saw 538's models project the GOP would regain the majority 53% of the time with all the models that they run. So what are some of the key races that could swing control of the Senate?
4: So there's 10 races that have been talked about for months now um, that you know are are kind of a toss up that are way more competitive but they've really zeroed in on 5 in the last few weeks and that's Pennsylvania Nevada Georgia Wisconsin and Arizona and you know those are the races where we have heard the candidates talked about a lot. I think everybody is probably familiar with the candidate, the Senate candidates in Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz <laughs> and John Fetterman, because yep. John Fetterman just got national attention because he had a stroke, right. um, and has still continued to campaign and and the debate. Um, between Fetterman and Dr. Oz was probably watched all over the country, not just in Pennsylvania. Um, So, you know, these are the races that are being talked about a lot. And those are the races that are toss ups, you know, they could really go either way at this point. But what I think is interesting is that there's also five races that are kind of considered sleeper races. And that means that they're maybe a little more competitive than they're being given credit for. And those are where some of the surprises could happen. And those races are North Carolina, New Hampshire, Ohio, Florida, and Colorado. Um, And as I was looking into those, the one that stood out the most to me is maybe the one that's the longest shot for the Republican to um, beat out the incumbent uh, Democratic senator. But in Colorado, The Republican running there is very moderate. And, you know, he goes against a lot of the GOP talking points. You know, he doesn't, he was not in favor of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, And he thinks that a woman should get to choose. Now, he does not believe in late term abortion. So he believes anything after five months. Should should not be allowed, but you know he's he he said his philosophy was you know you live your life, I'll live mine, and he you know is in favor of legalizing marijuana. Um, he thinks that um, in terms of immigration, that. Dreamers should be able to stay in the U.S. So that was just an interesting race for me because it goes against all the talking points that you're hearing that have very clearly been established in some of the other races.
2: Absolutely. So um, so again, we're looking at maybe like a three, four race swing there, but like you're saying, it could go the other way. And how big a surprise do you think that would be?
4: I think ultimately you know the polls have been off the last few elections so i don't want to give any hard prediction there but based on what we're seeing it does look like more of these toss-ups are leaning slightly republican but you know those top 5 races that are really anybody's game they could go either way you know the the voters there are interested and they're paying attention And as John mentioned, you know, they've been galvanized by issues like abortion rights and the economy.
2: Right. So, kind of looking at some of the governor's races now, John, um, there are some key ones that we're keeping an eye on. So much of the focus is on Congress. But in the, in some of these states, you could see a dramatic shift, not only in the governor's, uh, who sits in the, in the governor's seat, but that funnels down to some of the other areas in the state, too, that are going to be in control of verifying elections two years from now. And so there's a ripple effect from these governor's races. And also, these governor's races, when you become a governor, all of a sudden now, you become uh, more on the national stage as a a potential maybe presidential candidate to six years from now. So what are some of the key governor's races that we're looking at?
3: Well, there are about 35, 36 governor's races. Only about 16 or so are considered competitive. Uh, The ones that are highlighted are the ones like in Arizona. You have an open seat where the Republican candidate, Carrie Lake, is running against an established Democrat who already is a statewide office holder, uh, Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state there. It's an interesting race because you have someone who verified and certified the election in the state for Joe Biden, uh, which four years earlier, Donald Trump won. And uh, you have a Republican candidate who is backed by Trump. She's actually described as Donald Trump in heels. Uh, Carrie Lake Telegenic, former TV anchor, uh, well-known throughout the state, uh, who would certify a, a Donald Trump election. She, she just believes that uh, the 2020 election was a lie. So it's interesting you're seeing kind of a rematch of what happened in 2020 between these two statewide candidates. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, other races that are really interesting, uh, I'll just bring one other one uh, to, 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 to discuss right now. It's um, the New York race. Um, Kathy Hochul, the incoming or incumbent governor who, who, who filled, uh, Andrew Cuomo's seat after he resigned last year, uh, is in very, it looks like she's in trouble. Uh, and it's a surprise because it's a state that Joe Biden won by over 20 points. Uh, they haven't had a Republican governor in that state Uh, since George Pataki. Lee Zeldin isn't your typical moderate Republican who can win that state. Uh, Part of that fervor, and you're seeing the same sentiment in, uh, if you will, Oregon, part of that is people being very upset about the sense of lawlessness, a sense of uh, crime on the rise. And it's been an issue that we've heard four years ago, but it's just really come to the fore now. Uh, and I think part of that has to do again with the public sentiment of, of of how everything is costing more and people feel like the country is going in the wrong direction. So, um, I'm very much paying close attention to that race because it's one of the ones that will be called earlier in the night. And if you see potentially a Republican uh, take that race, then I think it's going to be very indicative of what we might expect for the rest of the evening.
2: And Zeldin has really been hitting hard on that crime thing because he's had a couple of instance, instances himself right. personally right. dealing with, with. During the <laughs> campaign. <Yep. laughs> yeah. With some, with some crime issues. They're shooting right out in front of his home. And uh, he almost was stabbed at a, at a campaign event right. a few months ago. So. Uh, Caitlin, let's talk issues. How have the two parties differed in their messaging during this campaign season?
4: Well, we've talked a little bit about some of the key issues already, so this might not be a surprise. But if you've watched any of the debates, you've heard a lot of issues be brought up, you know, from education to immigration to crime, as John was just talking about. Even, you know, on the Democrat side, a lot of them have been talking about affordable health care. But the key Two issues are the economy and inflation and abortion rights. And, you know, those are the major sticking points. Um, Right now, a majority of the public does say that inflation and the economy is their top priority. But when the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, you know, that galvanized a lot of people. Um, Abortion rights are very personal Mm -hmm. and it looks like that will be a driving factor behind a lot of people voting. So I think that's a storyline that we're kind of waiting to see play out of what do Americans care most about and how will that change Congress.
3: If I could just piggyback off of what Caitlin is saying, you know when you were asking about these state executives, it's interesting you might, for example, again, in Oregon have a state that has been dominated by democratic lawmakers and democratic uh, uh, politicians. you very may well see a Republican win this because it's a it's really a three-way race right now. Uh, Tina Brown, the incumbent who I shouldn't say incumbent, the outgoing uh, Democratic, governor is widely unpopular. She has the lowest uh, approval ratings among governors. Uh, So her successor, if you will, in the party, uh, uh, Kotech, who is uh, the former Senate's majority leader, um, she's trying to essentially run against her, uh, which is just this odd thing. But then you have a spoiler. You have a third-party candidate who is getting double-digit 10, 11 points, as high as thirteen. So uh, it's neck and neck. Uh, Drazen, her uh, Republican opponent, is very, very close uh, in the with a slight lead. But if you have a spoiler who has a in the third party candidate having you know double digit uh, retention among voters, uh, that's very interesting. The point that I want to make is, you still would have likely a Democratic legislature, both the state senate and the state house, but you might have executives like in the state who are Mm pro-life and they have democratic legislatures that are pro-abortion and it might be interesting to see how that narrative shakes out. Um, You'll have um, governors wanting to perhaps advance pro-life policies while you have the state lawmakers uh, very much against that. I think that'll be just fascinating to watch.
4: I think something else that's been really interesting to me, um, you know, with Inflation and the economy as an overall top priority. As I've been looking at a lot of these race races, I've noticed that while Democrats will definitely state their views on abortion rights, many are not, you know, really sticking on that. Some are, yeah. you know, some that's really what they're campa- right. campaigning on, but a lot are really focusing on the economy. Some are distancing themselves from President Biden and saying what they think he did wrong. Many are going out and talking about the bipartisan, especially incumbents, the bipartisan legislation that they push through. They're really trying to get um, the independent voters. They're trying to appeal to Republicans who don't like the Republican candidate that's running in their state. They're taking a, a much more moderate tone, I've found, and they are really focusing on the economy, even though abortion is a very important issue in, in this
3: election. And, and to your point, one more example, Laura Kelly, the incumbent Democratic governor in Kansas, uh, who has about a 50 percent approval rating, has uh, there was a measure. A Kansas Institute for Politics. They measured all of her campaign ads, and they said that never once has she mentioned the word abortion.
2: Wow, it's kind of interesting. Um, if the if Roe v. Wade wasn't overturned by the Supreme Court, you wonder how these races might have gone because a number of Democrats really took took this on as a as a primary talking point and kind of put the economy inflation on the back burner had roe v wade not been overturned you wonder how many democrats would have made that front and center maybe focused on that a little bit more changed the messaging down the stretch and who knows where some of these races might be so you just know alternate universes and whatnot you know how these different things might have shaken out under different circumstances yeah it's a whole other (laughs) podcast exactly we'll do that on the metaverse podcast at some point caitlin how much of these elections will be a referendum on the popularity of donald trump and the gop do you think
4: I think it depends on who you ask. Uh, Historically, the midterm election is a referendum on the party in power. So that would be President Biden and his policies. And that's what Republicans are calling for. You know, they they are pointing voters to the economy. They're pointing voters to the rise in violent crime. They're pointing voters to the situation at our southern border. Um, And they're asking them to vote based on how they think the Biden administration is handling all of that. Democrats, on the other hand, and the White House, they're flipping the script and they are trying to make this a referendum on Republicans. Um, And by proxy, Trump is in there. There's been a lot of focus from Democratic candidates on Republicans they believe have extreme views. Mm -hmm. So whether that's extreme views on abortion rights or extreme views on the elections, whether they were stolen, people they call election deniers, people who say the elections were rigged. Um, So I think that, again, that's a storyline that we're waiting to see develop on who this ends up being right. a referendum yeah. on so we'll we'll see that in the results yeah.
2: Well, Election Night always offers a few surprises, too, and there are a number of referendums on the ballot that deserve attention, including five abortion referendums in various states. So we'll be keeping an eye on all of that and letting you know what's happening on Election Night. Our coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern time next Tuesday night across all our platforms, CBN News Channel, Facebook, YouTube. John and Caitlin will be anchoring our coverage, along with our chief political analyst, David Brody, and our reporters in the field. We'll have Matt Galka in Pennsylvania, Abigail Robertson at the White House, and Tara Mergener on Capitol Hill as well as Heather Sells and Brody Carter. Lots of guests and analysts. It's going to be a full night of coverage. So for all the details, head on over to
0: our website, CBNNews.com. John, Caitlin, thank you for joining me. All right, John, thank you so much for that conversation. As we get ready for the election again, don't forget to head over to CBNNews.com. You can check out our full team coverage, both uh, Billy, Trey, myself over on YouTube, YouTube and also John Jessup and the entire CBN News team as uh, they hold down the fort over on the CBN News channel. So make sure you don't miss that. All right, wanted to take a quick look, Billy, before we go here. I was thinking of Daniel uh, 2.21. It says, he changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So I just think about this because I want to be reminded in the midst of election season that, God is sovereign over all this, and no leader rises or falls outside of his hand.
1: Yeah. And there are times that he allows certain things to happen. I know some people don't like that word theologically, but, but he, (laughs) he allows certain he anything that happens, God is allowing it to happen, right? It doesn't mean he wants it to happen, but he's allowing it. And so, you know, we have to just rest in him. And I think when we find ourselves panicking over the Kings and then the presidents and, you know, our representatives, it's because we've taken away our trust in him and put it into people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So just a reminder there, as we head into the weekend and we get ready for what will be undoubtedly busy week next week, make sure make sure you get out to the polls and vote, right? At the very least. I mean, if we're going to sit here and we're going to complain about all the things going on, we may as well at least have taken part in it and did our part. Voted. Get to the polls. So, Lord willing, that creek don't rise. We'll be back here with Monday with more. God bless. We'll see you then.